There's only one thing I can say before this pod. They're here. They're here. <laughs> yes, they are. 40 years later. Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make them an offer again with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Mark, what are we potting? Boys, we're going back to 1982. And we are talking about the classic Poltergeist this week. And for those that need a refresher, the Freelings are a typical suburban family. Husband Steve sells real estate in their ever-expanding subdivision, and Diane is a stay-at-home mom caring for their three kids, Dana, Robbie, and little Carol Ann. Strange things begin to happen in the house, however. Cupboard doors open on their own, furniture rearranges itself, and chairs go sliding across the kitchen floor. It's a bit of a whimsy at first, but soon becomes deadly serious when Carol Ann vanishes into another world where... Oddly, she can only be communicated with through the white noise on their television. A team of paranormal investigators move into the house, but the forces that kidnapped are evil and powerful, requiring the services of Tangina, a woman who has dealt with this situation before. Dun dun dun. That's our contribution from Gary and his uh, contribution to IMDb. So thanks, Gary. Thanks, IMDb. We uh, love you as always. But, uh, how you guys doing? Great. We got no Nick here. He was too scared to talk Poltergeist this week, so. <laughs> doing, huh? uh, well, I'm doing great. You know, you guys know that uh, this is my favorite time of year. I love the Halloween uh, season. And yes, sir. This is, and um, I love a good ghost story and a good horror film. And I also love Spielberg. So, so it's I'm amazing excited. that I never saw this movie before uh, we did this pod. Look at that, jumping right into Moment in Time, and Jeff's kicking us off. He's never seen this, holy cow, so 40 years later, you got to put your eyes on this for the first time, and uh, I'm sure it felt a little bit dated, but at the same time, hopefully you felt the Spielberg through and through and enjoyed your watch. I uh, No, I, I really did. Uh, I see how much has been, how much this movie paved the way for a lot of films I've watched over the years, uh, films about hauntings and different things, and... Uh, it you can really tell, and of course I knew some of the iconic scene, like the iconic scene of her into looking into the static on the television and the there here line I did at the top of the pod. But yeah, I did. I could really, I could really feel where 
it feels like this movie almost made have come, might have come up with a lot of the cliches and concepts that are in kind of the common haunted house movie now. I don't yeah. know if it's the first time that it was here, but maybe they're the ones that perfected it. But I'm really interested to hear about you boys. And I'm guessing you guys saw this as kids and it gave you nightmares. So I saw this movie when I was too young. And what's happened is I blocked it out of my memory to, for, for a lot of years. And then I revisited it in college at some point, And then again to show my stepkids when they were on like a scary movie kick years ago. My, my stepdaughter especially. And then my stepson, he was just kind of along for the ride. But uh, thankfully, they didn't get nightmares for from it. But I definitely did, for sure. And it was probably more of Robbie and the Clown type nightmares. And we'll get into that maybe I mean, a little uh, bit that later. Might give, that might give me fucking nightmares and I'm 40 yeah. years old. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, um, but it was overall, it was just a really fun rewatch because... Yeah, this movie's super nostalgic, so it was a. It, I enjoyed everything about the rewatch. I, I, I liked, you know, I felt like I was a kid again, because um, this was one of those movies that, yeah, I definitely saw when I was too young, and it scared it scared me, and, and I, I don't know exactly when, and that's why I said I, I kind of blocked it out. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I know I didn't have like severe PTSD, like Freddy Krueger PTSD. With, you know, when I originally saw the first Nightmare on Elm Street, because we've talked about that, Jeff, and how, you know, I, I didn't want to go to sleep. Like, that was the ultimate. That was that was the worst. <laughs> but, uh, sure. Jesse, when did you see this? So, I, I couldn't really pinpoint exactly when, yeah. kind of like you, Mark, but um, I know I saw this. It was middle school, high school, and I think I saw it, like, at a sleepover at a friend's house. I don't think I saw it, like, at my house. But much like you, I do remember like being terrified. I was terrified. Of, I was actually terrified of Carol Ann. Oh, okay. Um, she just, I, I just remember like just her being so creepy in the first 45 minutes of the movie, you know, with the spirits and the, in the television. Yeah. And obviously I, I was terrified and had nightmares of the spirits, but I also had nightmares about Tangina. Like she terrified me when I was younger. Really? Um, yeah, and just <laughs> just her being able to like understand and communicate with ghosts right. as a For medium. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was. She's I kind of a creepy. She's kind of a creepy lady. Oh, for I can, sure. I can totally get that vibe. For sure, for sure. She's the organist in the in Sixteen Candles, by the way. <laughs> like I don't know. If oh, you she remember. is. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Because we've all seen that movie a bunch of times too. That, that like, those are her. That is such roles. a different. That is her in such a different light. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I know she. You know, she's she was a famous little person actor, and she. I, I, I want to give her credit since we're talking about her, but. Um, her her name is uh, Zelda Rubenstein, and and she said to other little people like, "Great hey, name, yeah, it is a great name, Zelda, right?" And <clears throat> she always gave advice to other little people that becoming an actor really opens up the world for little people, and, and so she kind of embraced it. I mean, too, I did, yeah. we get into what worked, right? Thank thank you. I have two ponderings actually that I just have to get off my chest early. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Number one, should we really be potting about this movie? This fucking thing is cursed. Every person that has adopted this film or some version of it has had troubles. In addition to like half the cast of the original movie died. That's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. But I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to 
when we potted about Cabin in the Woods and in particular the end of Cabin in the Woods where the hand just, you know, swallows everything up. And I hope you now appreciate that, that scene even more because of its uh, homage to uh, Poltergeist that's, there. That's a good but, point. Uh, that's a yeah, good point. I thought it was a fun But yeah, I was just going to say, if something bad were, is to befall any of us shortly <laughs> after this pod, I'm going to feel really terrible because this was my idea. I had no idea about this damn curse until that's, I... Uh, Started that's, researching this movie. That's funny. You're chan- you channeled like your inner Marlon Brando right there. <laughs> Something were to happen to any of you guys. <laughs> we're coming up terrible. to Godfather for those listening. Uh, but, uh, uh, and then my other question was, are we all pretty sure that Steven Spielberg directed this movie? Pretty yes. much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we're, we definitely are. Uh, um, <laughs> like, it's just I contractually mean, he couldn't. Another... Yeah. <laughs> so literally he just had to put it... I mean... I know he wrote the nice letter and, like, all of that stuff, but I... Feel I mean, like pretty much Steven Spielberg hired Toby Hooper after being impressed with his work on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But according to everybody involved, rumors, personal accounts, whatever, Spielberg directed this movie. And, and I mean, it, you know, he... Well, and there's, he I mean, there's some debate about that. A lot of them came on and they said that, like, Hopper was in control and he was doing everything, but basically Spielberg, Spielberg as the producer... Yeah, would come Hooper, on. Hooper, by the way. Hooper, Hooper sorry, yeah. Hooper. Spielberg as the producer would just come on, and he's of course Steven Spielberg. Correct. So he and was he just would just start taking. He would just start right. taking over, and like what was Hooper supposed to do? Uh, correct. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. So, um, and I and I wonder if his career was kind of ruined because of Poltergeist being somewhat taken over by Spielberg. Right, like it. But, I, it but almost... I mean, this is obviously a different movie. If Spielberg doesn't have his hands all over it, I'm, that I'm positive of. one hundred percent. It it's just a fascinating, and it's funny that he two very iconic films. He basically let's if he did direct it, and I know there's it's, it was probably more of a collaboration, if anything. Yeah, it was. Just to but be, it was just obviously to be he was Hooper. he was involved. He, he for was every a big shot. big yeah. part of it. Yeah, and he was. That means he was directing or helping direct two of the biggest movies of all time at the same time that the genius of spielberg he was doing principal photography principal photography ended on poltergeist and he told toby hooper to go cut it basically do you know go supervise the first edit in the first cut i'm gonna go shoot et <laughs> and, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, and like that's how it went down. And he borrowed, he ended up having to borrow his normal editor to fix the edit on Poltergeist. So he had to get a different editor to do ET. And I mean, these movies, I, I think Jeff, you said off pod, they're, you know, they're cousins, right? They're, or they're brothers even. Yeah. Uh, to the point where Spielberg envisioned this as a double feature for people to see in the summer of 82. They came out in theaters a week apart. And well, it's the darker, it's kind of the darker version of E.T. It's a, for a sure. unknown, a unknown mysterious entity forms a connection with the, this family, this suburban family's child. And they have to sever that connection in order to save the child. That's the same plot as E.T. It's just that E.T. is a lovable creature that likes Reese's Pieces. And this is a terrifying creature that likes clowns. 
Yeah, creatures. Keep in mind, Lots fair, of fair. Yeah, but but I mean, I don't want to offend one. him. Now I'm gonna get fucking hit by the fucking poltergeist curse. Yeah, I, I think it'll be all right. I, you know, as long as you're, you know, not living on top of dead bodies whose headstones fair. were relocated to a, a fake cemetery now. Well, and you know why they, you know why they say the curse started. One of the one of the one of the theories behind it. Those the swimming pool. Yeah. With the skeletons. Yeah. Spielberg determined it was cheaper. To, to real use skeletons. real skeletons <laughs> than to buy plastic or had plastic ones made. Yeah. But he didn't tell the actress yep. until didn't afterwards. Tell, didn't tell Joe Beth Williams until after. And it's so funny because this is a movie of kind of about like disturbing the dead yeah. or not like or not disturbing the dead. And definitely a theme that runs through the movie. And what does like its writer do? He goes out and disturbs the dead in the in order to make in order to make commerce. And no kidding. Very but, ironic. I mean, I mean, he sold his soul to somebody because he went on to still make yeah, a bunch that, of other yeah, movies Spielberg. and be completely I was just, successful. I was so. just going to say, he's just, that man is that man is such a badass. He's like bulletproof from, yeah, from fucking yeah, curses right? and who knows right. why. Something, because yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> he, doomed his, he doomed his poor actresses, but he's he's doing well. Yeah. That's was, it, was it just that easy to buy actual skeletons? That was odd to me too. That that was odd to me too, Jesse. Like they're just laying around for purchase. <laughs> Jesse, what worked? This is a great ghost story, and we kind of alluded to that a few times already in the few first few minutes. But uh, there's nothing gory or, or grotesque. No one actually dies in yeah, this. Yeah, no one dies. Which yeah. is except very, the bird. Which is so the little bird. I read it's one very Spielberg esque. Yes, I went. I read one review, and I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, so apologies for not giving credit on here. But I read read one review that said it's the ultimate family horror film because you could watch it with the whole family, and then even everybody survives and lives through it. Right. No, absolutely. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and the haunting of a house. It's just a classic horror movie storyline. Um, and Han, it's, it's incredible that you just watched this yesterday or this week for the first time and you picked up on that of how many movies since then have really taken a lot of those themes from this movie and created more brilliant horror films oh, for sure. and TV series. It just, yeah, it really feels like we, we might have some very different horror film or if without it, it's, it. It's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, he, originally, the original idea was to have Carol Ann killed in the first act, and then she was going to haunt the house in the second oh. act. Oh. And they eventually, Spielberg and Hooper had that in, you know, that was like, they originally, you know, plotted that out in the screenplay, but they eventually decided that it was too dark, and so they opted to have her kidnapped by the ghosts, and then... Um, so many of the dark elements were then removed because Spielberg wanted the PG rating too. So, yeah, he fought hard. He fought hard for that. Yes, and he did. Holy shit! Only holy because shit. it was coming this... out the same time as ET, and he he literally he wanted people to watch both of them. That's what he envisioned that summer. But uh, what were you going to say, Jeff? Uh, no, I was I was just going to say really. I think you might have pointed this out to me off pod, Mark, but. This is a movie that really proves the value of a PG-13 rating. 
Yeah, um, so that it was my... It doesn't feel R, but oh my god, this does not feel PG to me. So that was my pondering, um, and we're just getting on, we're getting all our ponderings out early in this pod, which ah, is that's fine. Okay. Sometimes we jump around, <laughs> and, and I was actually, I had in my notes, is this like the, you know, the, the, is this like the hardest PG movie that, that you can think of? So, I did some research, and, um... It comes up on, like, every list of, like, you know, hard PG movies. Right. But some other ones that I thought you guys would get a kick out of and agree with would be uh, Roger Rabbit. And I could We talked about that when we bought yeah, it. Yeah, we talked it. about it. Exactly. For sure. We did. And so I was, yeah. I was laughing that it was on the list. And then uh, Gremlins and... I was thinking of that one, too. And yeah. Temple of Doom. And, yeah, Temple of Doom is the one that always comes to my mind. So Spielberg... I mean, they're pulling hearts out of the... So I did. So I do research on this, and because of Gremlins and Temple of Doom, Spielberg produced Gremlins. Spielberg, and, Spielberg, and, 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 directed uh, Temple of he, Doom. Yep. He's the one that actually pushed for the PG thirteen rating, because back then they either had to choose R or PG, and so he he's the one that said, well, basically PG is, comp- comprises birth to eighteen. And he's like that. There's that's too many. There's too much, you know, subjectiveness in, within that. And right. so he's right. the one that he's the one that pushed for the PG thirteen because of Gremlins and Temple of Doom because those all those movies were originally given R ratings and he had to fight and fight and fight to get that PG because he knew if it gets the R is not you know people aren't going to see it. You know, he, he wanted kids to see his movies especially and, and and for the better. He nailed it. He was right every time. So. <laughs> But uh, it's just, hopefully Nick will appreciate this. This is good folklore for him, like you said. So he's uh, he's missing out tonight. But uh, anywho, what worked, Jeff? What else worked? Was it just me or, like, a lot, lot works in this movie. But does it feel like the first 35 minutes of this movie are way better than the rest of the movie? I like the movie, but the first 35 minutes are really fucking good. There's, like, this tension and some of that might be the datedness of it, because a lot of the special effects are in the second half, uh, which some are good and some aren't. But I, I felt a different tone. I really enjoyed the tone of the first 35, 45 minutes of this movie. So you're I, including when Carol Ann gets taken. So you're including yes. the, first, that, the first major, Maybe like, the, oh shit moment. And, 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 yep, yep. and the mysterious of the... Um, the chairs in, in the, the kitchen. Chairs so, and the, so yeah, I get that. I get where you're coming from. But then, let's go forward now into Act Two. I mean, Act Two is just Act Two is kind of gnarly too because it's pretty bonkers. We we get we uh, the scene in the bath, the hallucination scene. You guys, that scene's so awesome in the bathroom. <laughs> After that the seems par- cool. After the paranoid, like that scene is still cool today. And the paranormal guy goes, the investigator goes in the kitchen, the steak's like moving, and the chicken with the maggots, like all that works. That's so creepy, gross, like, and then he goes in the bathroom and he just starts peeling his face off. That's so awesome. So that's, that all works for me in that. I mean, I didn't say, I wasn't, I wasn't saying the last 45 minutes were bad. So I guess, I, I here's my question. I the just movie kind of was... wraps up and puts a bow on everything, and then it almost like jumps the shark there, right? It, after... That's what I felt. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's kind of. So how maybe I that's think. what you're thinking about. Like we go down, like, and, and that seems really like there's some really like laughable moments almost in 2022 when you're watching that final scene. So I think that's where you're coming this, from. Had I seen like, this in the context of the time, 
yeah. I wouldn't have that opinion. Because yeah. that might have just distracted me from it. But I just, I thought that first 45, 35, 45 minutes of this movie was just near near. It is. I have no issue with it. But then I love everything about the, you know, the woman Tangina that terrified Jesse as a kid. Well, and it's such a staple of the, you know, the psychic that comes in to like cleanse the house. You you don't, you don't do that. They don't even, that, that's a staple of every haunted house movie ever made now. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage, so much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. Correct, for sure. And she's like the backup. She's like, she's like. We get the first investigators that are right. like, well, well I'm they not have to bring out for this shit. I got to bring in an expert. They have to bring I in. Heavy, the, heavy, I thought you were the, the heavy expert. Guns. I got to get an expert for my expert. <laughs> yeah, they had to bring in the heavy guns. The other thing I had written down was the themes of, and these are very Spielbergian themes, but the themes of the of the 80s, suburbia, and kind of the the Reagan 80s, and everything in... This is a movie about the comforts of home and those comforts being disrupted. Mm-hmm. But it's also a movie about what's really important and the aspect of family. Because you got to remember this is the Reagan 80s when everything, everybody was obsessed with like more money materialism, different things. The economy was booming. Uh, it's kind of some of the beginning of track housing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Even the dad, he's reading the, the Reagan book in the beginning. Of the he's movie. reading. Well, he's reading the Reagan while book while smoking, smoking a joint. Pot. Oh, yeah. And then he rolls one for her. Or she rolls which, one. Uh, yeah, somebody rolls one. Which was, him. I think, an ironic comment definitely on the uh, war on drugs, of course. Correct, for sure. Absolutely. And the... All, in the beginning of the film, if you notice, all of the characters are more or less obsessed with their possessions. The boy with the remote control car. The dad with his television for his buddies oh to all gosh, come that, over. Oh my gosh, that's great with the remote. In the and, that moment with the neighbor. Yep. <laughs> the mom with just all the decorations and how well laid out the house is. And at the end of the film... They have none of that. They check into a motel, and the dad removes the television. And oh, yeah, they basically realize that all they need is the family. And I thought that was a really cool comment on the modern time, like the modern times that that, that film was made in. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. And look at him getting rid of the TV in 1982. Imagine, here we are 40 years later, and look, how, look at our screen time now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a TV. Yeah, everything. Exactly. We have we have computers in our pockets. But I'm curious. Hours a day. You, Mark, have your kids seen this movie? Yeah. Jesse, I know your yeah. kids are too yeah, young. Yeah, no, yeah. I just did. You have to explain to them what static was. Um, I don't think because I was just cared. realizing they don't. I was just realizing they don't do that. TVs don't do that anymore. No, they don't. And I love the opening in this movie. Where it was before An- our time. Obviously. Another thing that TVs don't do. Yeah, correct. with the national anthem. So uh, you know, where, where TVs used there used to only be you know a handful of channels, and at the end of the night they'd play the national anthem, and then TV would be done, and it would cut to static. So that's where all that comes from. There's another. Be, there's also anyone some young more, listening. <laughs> there's also some more commentary in that scene itself. They were using what was the image of the 1980s at that time, which was the you know the Iwo Jima. Or the raising the flag, or whatever, and that yeah. that they always sign off with the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. But in the 1950s, 
it was actually a um, very, um, I mean, one could say racist or very or caricature of a Native American or like an Indian image that even for even like for 1980s standards was too much. They eventually got rid of that hmm. that they had with the national anthem playing in the backgrounds. And because it was built on an Indian burial ground, it reminded me a lot of The Shining, which we did a pod on that was made a couple years earlier commenting on American imperialism and uh, Native Americans. Thought that Good was stuff. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have in my notes, I, I just love the concept. I feel like this, this movie, like we've talked about already, just paved the way for a lot of other movies. And, and it does way more right than it does wrong, that's for sure. Agreed. I, I love most of the scares. Uh, the, the clown scare at the end is just great. It, it may, I mean, it made my wife jump out of her pants yet again, and she knew it was coming. Like, it was just great. I love it. Um, you know Steven Spielberg's hands are all over this movie when you see exposition in this movie, because Spielberg's really good at exposition, and most yes, people suck at it. So yep. you get this scene with the boss and Craig T. Craig T. Nelson's character, Steven, the, the dad, overlooking the housing developments and we just get this backstory now and it's a really just kind of subtle scene that's done perfect because spielberg had his hands on it and then we get the round two of exposition from tangina when she has them all sit down and that's an, another awesome exposition scene so i just had to give credit to spielberg because most of the time that's bathroom break time but he does it so well that you just enjoy it very much and it stands out in such a positive way so kudos yet again and uh the the score jerry goldsmith i believe was his name he did the score for this it was great and i can't let we talked enough about tangina zelda rubenstein but joe Beth williams she's great and and she's this she's really good this this mother fighting for her daughter I, I just love it, and and what makes Poltergeist cool is they have to stay because their daughter is in the house somewhere, and, and right. so they, they can't just get up and leave. They they, but at the same time, that scene where the son, the, the Robbie and the Golden Retriever, just get in the back of the cab, and we're like, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> I love that. I, <laughs> I love that moment so much. Okay. That's a great. That's a great time to bring this up. I have a lot of questioning about, about parenting in the 80s. Hey, man, uh, we were just more so trustworthy in the 80s. This all grew. boils down to... <laughs> would you, would you, would either, you're both parents. Would either of you throw your kid and the dog in a cab by themselves? Yeah, Robbie had the dog. We were good, man. He got the dog. The dog and will take care of it. Would either... And um, we won't even mention the uh, mother just chuckling when the daughter gets catcalled by the construction. Oh, oh my gosh. That's, oh, yeah, that was such a dated moment. It was awesome. Like, it was just awesome because it just felt so... 80s right it just felt she wasn't even like so upset 80s. she was just yeah. oh she yeah. just she just laughed she's like yeah just, just boys will be boys, boys, boys. boys. Yeah. <laughs> i just i just had to give joe beth williams a shout out because she was great and you have to buy that you have to buy every bit of it and she's awesome i i, I just yeah i just what else i was trying to remember so what else right what else is wrong. she in mark because i was you really know, impressed with her performance as well she's not she's She's still acting to this day. I actually looked her up, and she, you know, she's got like 130 credits, but Jesus, uh, nothing, 
you know that stands out I, I, to where I can't even recall. I mean, I think she was in the show Guiding Light for a while, but okay, uh, that, but that was way back in the day, right? I, um, but she's just been a, like a bunch of stuff, no name stuff. I'm guessing but, you know maybe you know, a bunch of Hallmark movies. Was, oh, I just thought she was great in this. I thought she was great in this film, and yeah, so did I. I and was, I was surprised that I don't know her from anything. Right, that else. was my exactly, that was yeah. my thought. Yeah. She was in the Big Chill. I don't yes, know if you guys have seen the Big thing. Chill. Yeah, the Big Chill. That was her other big movie. But that was right after this. Like this, right. movie, this Big Chill came a out year and, after. Yeah, a year after. Interesting. And then Kramer versus Kramer. But yeah, I but she's got a small her. part in that. Yeah, I, I was just gonna that. say. I think she's got a small part in that. Yeah, and that came out I think before this. I think we, her we got role. In... We got a pot about that movie. I fucking love that movie. Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. You got a favorite scene, Jesse? Uh, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I do. Sorry. I went over the uh, what what worked. Yep. Um, yeah. No favorite favorite. My favorite scene was the fight to save um, Caroline. Just all of it. Well, yeah. I mean, I- introduced with Tangina. I mean, she's so quirky and ex- eccentric. She's good. Um, she's really good. And, and at, like I said, as a first time watching this as a young boy, she was in my nightmares. Yeah. But when the when I did the rewatch. She, she was a scene stealer. Scene she stealer was awesome. for sure. She's amazing. Totally. She was, so it was that build up, and then. Rem- yeah, I mean the rescue we, scene with that rope. It just yeah. I mean we're coming we talked off, about we're, that. We're just coming off the season four finale of Stranger Things. Stranger Things right. within right. the last few months, and I mean it was just like I, I was just I was because I rewatched with with Jen, and I was just like, hey, look, it's the season finale of Stranger Things right now with this rope and she's like oh my gosh are you going to talk about it on your pod I'm like, <laughs> I'm like of course I am <laughs> the Duffy yeah. brothers they love their Spielberg yeah for sure for sure so I, I love that scene too I have that in my notes but um, I, I that clown that clown choking Robbie that's a scary scene man that gets me it every is. time so that's one of my favorite scenes and, and it's especially because it just terrifies my wife, and I, so it's like extra special. <laughs> Drummond, did you read about how the clown was actually oh, choking, yeah, was choking Oliver him. Robbins? Yeah, and and Spielberg had to come over and, and help pull it off. Yeah, and they didn't realize it. And he, thought, he thought the kid was ad libbing. That's part of the thing. Yeah, and he thought the kid was ad libbing. It wasn't until he started turning purple. <laughs> Jesus. And, and yeah, he, he stopped that the... scene. And then Carol, I mean, since we're on the subject, the only thing that terrified Carol Ann was when she was had to film the scene where she's like getting blown away, holding onto the bed frame. Right. <clears throat> um, it, it, it terrified her. Nothing else really scared her. And Spielberg had to cut the scene and he, he held her and promised her that she would never have to do that again. Um, but yeah, so... Well, she's a fearless little girl there. That yeah, is. she is. She she... Because if she wasn't terrified of that clown, I don't know what yeah. to say. And these movies, we talked about how this movie's linked with E.T. And, and just with the timing of and both Spielberg making both of them the same year. But Drew Barrymore auditioned for Carol Ann. And Spielberg wanted somebody that was just... Uh, brighter i guess like for for like angelic yeah angelic thank you there's that perfect there you go oh and, brighter i see what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah exactly okay. not smarter I, brighter, that came up yeah. that came up i know that's why as soon as i said it i was like um doesn't draw a blank so yes just uh spielberg wanted drew barrymore audition and spielberg wanted somebody more angelic and but drew barrymore nailed the audition so that's how she got gertie for et so 
because these movies were being <laughs> casted and every, he, Poltergeist was you know a, basically six months ahead of schedule uh, not ahead of schedule six months ahead of E.T. basically right so everything as soon as Poltergeist was done doing something Spielberg had to go do it on E.T. essentially <laughs> crazy I can't imagine these movies I mean they're two so iconic movies here we are 40 years later so but uh, Jeff what's your favorite scene Real easy. Uh, that chair scene is fantastic. Uh, the oh, the chair scene in the beginning. The chair scene, and then kind of, and then as a follow up, kind of the the scene where, speaking of great parenting, where she's letting the uh, her daughter ride the uh, the ghost ride across the uh, across the floor. But I just that scene is done so cool, and it's such an example of something we talk about this on this pod all the time about less being more. Uh, no real no real fancy special effects needed, although there were some. But just that cool, eerie shot of she goes in the kitchen, chairs moved. Goes in the kitchen, they're on the table. And it's funny, we were ta- as we were talking, we've seen that kind of scene in so many haunted house movies since. Yeah. That it it just blew my mind and I was like, holy shit, Spielberg came up with that. I think. Unless there's some 50s haunted house movie that I haven't seen that did it first. No, no, I hear but you. I hear it, you. That, the only other one I'm going to mention, I don't know if it's a favorite scene, but I think it's a really important scene. And I thought on the rewatch, I kind of figured it out more. The scene where she buries Tweety. Yeah. Is just literally lays the theme of the movie out so like brilliantly. with Because Caroline... One of the reasons I think the ghosts might be attracted to her respects the dead. Mm-hmm. It was super important to her that it have the flower for when it's sleeping, the food in case it got hungry. Uh-huh. And, and then the, the next day we see we see Tweety get dug up right away. Right exactly. Away. All uh, the rest jumped of them, right into that pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the Poor rest Tweety. of them basically. The kid makes a joke. The daughter rolls her eyes. The mom tried to flush Tweety. Yeah. And it what it's a movie about not it's a movie about not desecrating the dead. And I just thought that was really good writing. No, I agree. And uh I already talked about the the, the paranormal investigator hallucinating. Uh Jesse mentioned Tangina. I, uh, Diana in the pool, that's also an iconic moment. So I, I is, love that yeah. scene too. And it's because of those real skeletons. <laughs> that right. totally adds to it too. But well, did you in hear how? Did that, you hear how that how she felt about the shooting of this film? This was no. a. Uh, it was very Kubrickian. Shutting the ball and the uh, shining. She's a little angry. She's got a little PTSD from her poltergeist there was, days. There was some PTSD. Okay. Uh, she was not a fan. Maybe that's why Joe Beth Williams didn't didn't star in a bunch of other movies. Spielberg uh, won out. <laughs> I this don't know. is true. I don't know, but uh, you know, she did, she's still working, like we said. But um, the <clears throat> I asked both my kids. I, I said my stepson, especially. I said, "Hey, you remember watching Poltergeist?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." He goes, "It was good." He goes, "I don't remember being too scared. It was, you know, a little cheesy at parts, but I remember that pool scene." And uh, <laughs> and so I wanted to make sure I had it in my notes too because that that, that scene stood out for them and it's a standout in the movie. 
and um, I, just all that stuff. Like we said, when the movie just you know take goes bananas all of a sudden. And what's cool about that, and also very Spielberg, the bathtub scene. We're sitting there thinking, like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen to her in the bathtub? But nothing ever does. So it's, it's, right. uh, it's the less is more approach with that one. <laughs> well, <and laughs> because you're sitting there. Classic yeah. misdirection. Yeah, you're sitting mm-hmm. there. And even if... even That scene is so good, that eerily yeah. calm. Yeah. I actually really liked... Yeah, the calm the, before the storm. I kind of like part. the second ending of the movie. Yeah, like, before... The, well, yeah. the second ending's fine. It's all fine. It's just the effects are a little... They're really dated in the set, like once the oh, movie sure. goes back sure. to that part. I meant yeah. more before, not like when it just totally like envelopes or whatever. But I, yeah. I meant more just that that whole section when with the suspense building in the bathtub. Yeah, it's just fantastic filmmaking for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, also, I think we had a missed opportunity with the the housing development guy not getting some comeuppance there. I was thinking that too, actually. I was, I was like, like, "This is." I was like, they should have swallowed like the him up when they when they he's got. He's like the lawyer they... in Jurassic Park. You got. He is like the lawyer in Jurassic. You've got to get th- that grease ball has to get his. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, I think so too. Maybe that's why the lawyer did get his in Jurassic Park. Maybe Spielberg learned his lesson. Correcting his errors. <laughs> it's it's funny. He's thought of as a family director, but Spielberg does suspense so well. For sure. If you think of the indie movies, you think of Jurassic Park. You think of this movie, Jaws. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he he's borderline the master of suspense. He's always compared to Hitchcock, mm-hmm. so I think that I mean that's probably why. No, no, I, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. You guys got any quotes besides uh, the famous "They're here, they're here"? Yes. Um, you son of a bitch! You moved the oh, cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch! <laughs> you left the bodies, and you only moved the headstones. <laughs> That's so gnarly, too. It's like, what a scumbag. Nah, we don't have to dig up the bodies. We'll just build on top of them. <laughs> oh, God. Just, just move the, the headstones. move the headstones. They'll never know. What are they going to do? Dig up their, you know? <laughs> it's like, what a scumbag. Man. This house is clean. Yep. <laughs> Tangina. Oh, you were wrong, that though. That awesome. Tangina did. She was wrong. This house is clean. This house is clean. Those were my three, three favorite quotes. They're here. This house is clean, and you son of a bitch. That's yeah, all I. That's actually clothes. all I had too. I had those same three. Yeah, I just not, I. I don't want to. <laughs> Tangina's exposition speech is great, and I'm not going to read it because it's, it's way too long. Long, so, right? But yeah, but at the very end of it is you know where she gets all badass. Now let's go get your daughter. <laughs> like that's a great '80s like classic '80s line. I felt like it's like mm-hmm. almost like her Arnold Schwarzenegger moment or something. <laughs> It's, it's like also it feels 80s like action storyline. It feels like a classic '80s trope too, where they bring the expert in, mm-hmm. and the expert's always kind of quirky, but knows something the rest of the characters don't. And then the expert isn't quite able to do it, but enables the characters to be able to do it themselves later. It, just that's a very '80s uh, thing to do. True story. Uh, where are we at? What didn't work, right? Yeah. Boo! 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 So, I obviously, I don't want to harp on the effects. They were nominated for Best Visual Effects. And the only reason they lost is because they lost to E.T. Also, (laughs) Steven Spielberg's movies. So, uh, same with the music. 
Yeah. Good shout out to George Lucas because Lucas Light Magic did both movies. And for sure. you can you can really see their friendship because it feels like an advertisement for Star Wars in that kid's room. It does feel like an advertisement for Star Wars. It, yeah, and there's a lot of Star Wars in E.T., obviously, as well. But uh, the only thing I really do hate is Dana fucking screaming and screaming during the end right there. I really hate that moment where she just won't stop <laughs> screaming. I'm just... Right. I'm so annoyed that she just keeps screaming right there. Uh, take it easy on Dana. She the curse yeah, got I, her. Hey, the curse hey, got hey, her kind hey, of hey, bad. Hey, <laughs> hey, I did see that. So in fairness, Jeff said take it easy on Dana, and he's right because poor Dana was murdered choked in real to death, life, choked, choked to, to death. death by her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend when she was her 22 ex-boyfriend. years old in her driveway. It's horrible. Yeah, and she's the in, guy, and the guy got off with like six months in prison because he was only charged with assault. Um, Heather O'Rourke. Since we talked about Dominique, Carol Ann, the girl. That this one's Carol even. Ann, this one's even more horrible. This poor kid. She died at twelve the age years of 12. old. Twelve. Yeah. Heart because attack. She had well intestinal stenosis, which I yep. think caused right. the heart attack. But um, yeah. But it's it, believed she had Crohn's disease. Yes. Yeah. And she was doing a surgical procedure, and um, yeah, there's some sued, reports about her having mal- two heart attacks, and yeah. They sued for malpractice, and it, they won an undisclosed settlement. Uh, but they it happened before short they had to use a body double on the on the on part three at the end to fin- finish it yeah and part three she's the lead there's even an incident i didn't read into it because it doesn't really play into this film but they did a remake in 2015 and there are crazy incidents involved with that film so uh maybe we need uh our girl Tangina to uh, scrub this uh, podcast for us. That's all I'm no saying. No kidding. We're going to have her burn some sage or something. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the good news is Robbie Freeling is uh, Oliver uh, Oliver Robbins. He's still alive, at least. So. Kicking. Good. So, not, good, good. Not, not all the kids and, and as we said, Spielberg is uh, doing pretty well. And yes. Hooper lived to a pretty good old age as well. Yes, he did. Um, any what 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 not what didn't work for you, Jeff? I didn't have much. The like I said before, and that's why I kind of said it. In what's worked? I feel like the beginning of the film's a lot better than the ending. I do really like that bathtub scene, but some of I found, and some of this is icebox logic. Icebox logic, but I found their reaction to their daughter being kidnapped from ghosts to be a little too calm. <laughs> it is a little calm. Like, they're worried about her, clearly, but they're just kind of okay with the, the fact they can hear her in the TV. I mean, they're hiring a specialist and everything, but I, it feels like it would be a lot more traumatic than it kind of appears For on sure. the film. Um, and I love that... That's very <laughs> nitpicky, but... I love that the whole time they're at least validated. Where so many scary movies where they're like that take place, the people right. Aren't Everybody, validated. nobody believes it. You're yeah. Oh, you're you're playing one of my favorite. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. Me and you talked about it a bunch off pod. We both we both love that scene when they open the door and they or when they say we don't go in that room anymore. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, yeah. Seth, You explained it beautifully off pod. Go ahead and say yeah. It. No, no, no. So the the moment where 
they, you know, they tell the investigators they don't go in the room anymore, and and so the as the viewers, the first time you see that, you're you're making this assumption. Oh, they're gonna open that door, and everything's just gonna be all fine and dandy. But no, Steven Spielberg's like, uh, uh-uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show some of my poker hand here, and they open that door, and everything's like times ten from what we knew it as last, and everything's spinning around. And so the the first time you see that, you're just like, whoa. It's like, I think it's great. I think it's a no, great I thought it was fantastic. My, and yeah. my reaction is, wait, they're still living in this fucking house? They have to because <laughs> the daughter's there. Caroline, That's the catch. I know. That's I know. the catch. I might have sent the kid. I might have sent the boy home, boy in the cab sooner. I might have too. With that yeah. room uh, circling like that. And what Dana got sent away real quick. What happened? With, did she just like go? Well, she was she staying was at the Holiday Inn with. She was staying at the Holiday Inn with her boyfriend. Right, you pick up on that at the end. That was you? a that was an odd little comment. That was an odd little comment too. Uh, I know. And we find out at one point she's sixteen and mom is thirty two, and and the the novel does a better job of uh, giving us those details that. It, I mean, uh, mom met a construction worker when she no, was no, that it was 16. a step. No, the mom was the mom was stepdaughter. Yeah, the yeah. Dana was from. Craig T. Oh, Nelson's oh, she's not. Her, she's not her mom even. Right. No, yeah, but the, the uh, movie doesn't do a good job revealing that. So, no. yeah, interesting. So, uh, Jesse, what didn't work on your end? So we kind of talked about this and just being nitpicky, um, and forty years later, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but specifically, the second half of the movie, the special effects with the mom getting drug up this walls and the ceiling and the toys flying around like it's hocus pocus um it's hocus pocus. <laughs> yeah some of it's good though the pool stuff's good i think yeah no it was and when i read later that those were actual bodies i was like that's so disturbing in so many ways perfect <laughs> for a horror it film really it really is it very much is <laughs> spend the, extra. the yeah, all right for all you film all you filmmakers out there spend the extra money Buy the buy the plastic ones. <laughs> yeah. There's authenticity, and then there's just Creepy. creepiness. Cro- yes. Crossing a line, exactly. Right. <laughs> You're creating creating a forty year old curse. This is true. Absolutely. This is true. Um, it's time for medals. I think. Well, yeah. Jeff, actually, we kind of you want to touch on the Spielberg and Hooper for Career Corner. I mean, yeah, just that it, I mean, this isn't like a controversy from years later. This was a controversy during the filmmaking. And the main reason behind it is this is an, Poltergeist is an MGM film. And E.T. is a universal film. And in Spielberg's contract for E.T., it was written in that he couldn't be work on directing any other movie until E.T. was finished. Well, Spielberg wrote Poltergeist... And it was super important to him. And so he was allowed to produce, allowed to write, but he wasn't allowed to direct. So as a producer, he was on set a lot of the time. (laughs) Pretty much most of the time. And the way it's told, there's actually debates. There are people that vehemently defend Hooper. And say that he was the director and Spielberg was just kind of, was definitely involved and assisting and was definitely looked like he was in charge. 
But as far as working with the actors, picking the shots, all the technicalities of a director, Hooper was doing it. And then there are others that have came out and said Spielberg came in and basically just took over. Really wrong. Uh, Spielberg wrote a art a letter to Hooper, and I believe it appeared in Variety magazine, that he's that saying he apologized for all the controversy and that absolutely Hooper was the director of this film and was involved from the beginning, and I and that I did not direct it. So Spielberg's on record saying Hooper directed this film. But he also kind of has to be, otherwise he'd be in violation of contract with Universal and have to give back millions, potentially. You know, he's iconic. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is an iconic film, for sure. And Poltergeist is an iconic film. And I'm because of this podcast, I'm, I'm always going to link him with Poltergeist and Spielberg. And, and, and obvi- you know, he, he, he did enough to where he got directing credit. And it wasn't just because it was in a contract with... You that's know. what, and that's what I was trying to say. I think it was yeah. collaborative. You got some medals to give out, Jeff? Absolutely. Uh, honorable mention: Mary Jo Beth really wanted to get her on the medal stand. Joe Beth Williams, you mean? Joe Beth Williams. Joe Beth yeah. Williams. That's all right. That's why uh, she's not on your medal stand. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. I was uh, like, wait, who's Mary Beth? Joe Beth Williams. <laughs> My apologies. I thought she, her performance is so great. She should be more famous by now. I agree. I shouldn't that mess is, that up. Uh, uh, I, I, bronze goes to Heather O'Rourke. This movie really works because of her. Um, not in the movie a whole lot, but I mean, you could never. Once you hear her say they're here, you could never unhear it. And that little girl just was really good at being creepy. And but creepy in a like shining way, like you were saying. There's something that isn't angelic about her. And uh, so sad for what to hear what happened to her. But she's great in this film. Uh, I had to give myself silver to Hooper. He helped make this movie. A lot of people out there don't think he made this movie. I think he's a collaborator. <laughs> and I think I'm, I'm going to take a different angle on this. I Spielberg is not known for horror, although we did say he's very good at suspense. And this might have been the perfect marriage of Spielberg, the ultimate family director, with... Hooper, the a really good slasher horror film director, and they kind of combined their talents to make an excellent family horror film. And I think his footprints are probably on this more than we realize. And my gold goes to Steven Spielberg. I mean, let's face it, he made this movie. And um, <laughs> I, it has all of his touchings, all of his favorite subject matters, the family, suburbia, childlike wonder, point of view, and special effects. Although they seem dated now, they were award-winning at the time. It's a classic Spielberg film and probably why we are talking about this movie today. Who do you got, Mark? Uh, <clears throat> honorable mention one, Craig T. Nelson. Coach, come on down. Uh, I thought he was good. I, I, I enjoyed the actors in this movie. I but, did too. Uh, they're not a lot of horror yeah. movies. They're not good. They're pretty good in this film. Yeah, they, yeah. I was, I was, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, the acting was top notch for me for a horror film, like you said. Uh, bronze, bronze medal goes to Tangina, man. Zelda, Zelda Rubenstein. She gets my bronze medal. Uh, I don't need to go on and on about her. We've, she's already gotten enough credit in this pod. But uh, Zelda, you were great. My silver goes to Joe Beth Williams. I, I love Diane. I, I think she's great in this movie. I, the the 
you really feel that <clears throat> that scene in the bathtub when they come back you really feel that so uh, her and the daughter and you just you know, it's it's nice I, I buy that relationship I buy everything about it and her fighting for the kids at the end uh, and running away from the neighbors trying to get them to help and they're like uh, yeah we're not going in there <laughs> she's that like was, uh, that was fantastic she's like I'm going sorry but yeah, Jeff, you nailed it with Spielberg. He gets my gold for all the same reasons. So I'm glad you uh, shouted them all out. So no need to ramble on there. Jesse, medals? So honorable mention, I'm going to do two. I'm going to cheat this week. Uh, Zelda, awesome. I love her scene-stealing performance. Yeah. Um, She's such a she was, she wasn't in there long, but she was awesome. Mm-hmm. And Craig T. Nelson, coach... Um, they knew yeah. she was awesome, by the way. They got Tangina back for the sequel as well. They did, yes, they yeah. did. My bronze goes to Joe Beth Williams, yeah. mom. Um, she was great from the first half of the movie to the last half of the movie. Uh, she was she was awesome. I, I thought she did a great job. Silver, da 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 da. Steven Spielberg. He's the ultimate storyteller. Um, You guys hit the nail on the head. This was his story. This was his screenplay. He didn't technically direct it, but we've kind of gone through that. But he, this is has his fingerprints all over this film. But my gold goes to the girl, the little girl, Heather O'Rourke. She she keeps you engaged in the movie. The first Han had talked about the first. 35 minutes being the best part of this movie and that's because of Heather O'Rourke and she kind of disappears in the middle part for you know obvious uh, on purpose um, but she truly ha- she's just a, a kind of pre- precarious child and that just kind of adds to the thrilling the, the horror the um, your, your typical horror film of, you know, kind of creepy children. She just kind of owns that. And then, of course, the story of, of everything that happens to her after this film is just tragic. But her scenes are iconic. Her scenes are what are all over the posters in this movie. Her scenes are what really um, kind of make this a great horror film, uh, in my opinion. No, that's good stuff, and I feel guilty I left her off the podium now, so let's just move on, and it's late. <laughs> Jeff, uh, Jeff, you got any Midnight Ponderings this week? I do got a few, actually. Uh, so, the ghosts in this movie are actually kind of pretty good babysitters. Uh, the That girl comes back, Carol Ann comes back, um, well, she doesn't look like she was starving. She must have had water, or she wouldn't have survived that long. There doesn't seem to be a lot of trauma. She's just carrying on like normal. She was gone a long time. Uh, it turns out ghosts were pretty good at taking care of her for a couple of days. Yeah, well, Tangina said there's a lot of nice people there, and but there's a real evil presence, unfortunately, there as well. So uh, hopefully all the nice ghosts were definitely, you know, making sure that she was she was getting well taken care of. What else kept, up, what else kept you up late? Um... Have you ever been able to change the channel of your television from your backyard? Gosh. Let alone your neighbor's backyard? Was, Man, TV so controls cool, were really good back then. <laughs> so, TV They were control- like bricks, huh? 
So TV controls. So that scene is so interesting because like the TVs are close to each other, but then when they like, they're in their bedroom, I guess that TV's far enough away to where it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know. Right. It's not like, <laughs> like, I it's that whole thing is just funny and I don't. It's a know. funny scene. Yeah, and I do enjoy it. I know why they did it, but it also makes very little sense. Correct. I'm with you, and it's just the whole thing's bizarre. But part of me is like. Did that happen? It had to happen somewhere in 1982 for that to have been written in. That had to have been possible. Right? Like, you'd have to think, like... like, That's my point. Like, it's some, like... Well, it's when they had those wire satellites on top of the house. Right? I don't know. I don't know. This is is before our time, so I don't even want to... I've got one more for you. Let me see how I can do here. Did uh, Stephen King's It comes out in... The novel comes out in 1986. Did he take the clown idea from this movie? I'm sure. He, I'm sure he didn't. But that's when the book was written, 1982. The well, the, the book was written after the movie. But the book was the, at least released book, after the movie. The it yeah. book was written in 1986. Yeah, it wasn't published or, until 1986. Yeah, it was yeah. written. Who knows when it was written? That yeah, thing's like a thousand point. pages. Yeah, He'd yeah, probably exactly. been working on that fucking thing forever. But um, I just I realized the clown, and I was like, it interesting. Yeah, um, and, and Poltergeist wasn't the first thing to, you know, use yeah, clowns. Clowns are just scary. fucking terrifying. Yeah, clowns are just scary, man. They, 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 they're just, they're creepy, so. Yeah, those were my ponderings. Mark didn't yeah. like them this week. I, no, I didn't <laughs> dislike them. I just, uh, they didn't keep, I, I'm surprised they kept you up late, that's all. All right. It's true. I, I've got one pondering. Yeah, what is it? If they had sleep timers on remote controls in 1982, would this movie never have been made? If they had That's great sleep laundry. timers, yeah, the old, the static. Oh, because the on. TV, the TV would turn off. Right. Maybe so that's the why TV, they invented. Maybe that's why they invented sleep timers. So if the TV was set to go off at midnight instead of 2:37 a.m., like would would the ghost never find a portal into the house? That's a good, that's a good pondering, Jesse. I like it. Uh, that is a good pondering. Uh, I you might be onto something here. <laughs> I just thought, like, God, they re- they could really use a sleep timer. Like, it continues to just. <laughs> Anyways, uh, anything we missed? Additionally, that we want to. Did you talk see about? where the uh, clown puppet is on display, Mark? Well, it was at the Planet Hollywood at Caesars, but that's that's not there anymore. The Planet Hollywood at Caesars. Oh, you're right. So, so I, guess it's not there I don't know anymore. where it's at anymore, yeah. but I did see it was in Vegas at, at one point. Um, I, I don't know where it is. Hopefully it's somewhere fun. Uh, Spielberg based this film, or I mean, the his original idea for this film came from a tree that was out, that always terrified him as a kid in the house he grew up in. And it just, it always scared him before going to bed at night. And he started writing from that kind of inception of that idea. And he said his two biggest fears as a child were that tree outside his window and a fear of clowns. Those are two of the scariest things in this movie. You guys seen the Family Guy episode, Peter Geist? Yes. No. I, <laughs> There's also a... I couldn't a, recall it. American so, Dad. There is an American Dad well. one. But the, the Peter Geist, uh, you know, at, he attempting to build a multiplex in his backyard, Peter discovers an Indian burial ground. <laughs> And he takes an Indian chief's skull. <laughs> and so a poltergeist invades the Griffin's home. 
and the episode it totally uses you know same music same <laughs> it totally steals a bunch of scenes it's pretty awesome you should youtube it after the, uh tonight so you can watch some scenes from it it'll give you a good laugh but uh the only other thing i have the russo brothers are supposed to have a new remake of this at some point they announced it in 2019 i don't know that uh, that was before shit hit the fan in 2020 so this could be on the back burner but <clears throat> russo brothers are are uh marvel directors so interesting I, yeah interesting is right I, I don't know if they're still planning on doing this or not but you, you'd kind of mentioned this mark but time magazine and newsweek had tagged the summer 1982 as the spielberg summer and et and this film were released one week apart from each other yep one week apart crazy crazy 40 years later and we're talking about these two movies that's how I oh one more there. one more uh, curse thing joe beth williams actually coming back from filming one day came to her house and noticed all of the pictures hanging on her walls were crooked and every time she would fix them when she'd come back from the set the next day they'd be crooked again see she's weird man <laughs> it's either a ghost or someone on the set messing or, with them, right? that's exactly I mean, she was she was like Shelley Duvall in The Shining, being t- like tortured. <laughs> this is yeah. true. Tortured. And maybe she point. has a great performance, and maybe it's a better performance when the so when you come home when you come home and, and the, the, the things are turned. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna piss off the ghost that did it. I, yeah. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave this one alone. That's sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they briefly approached Stephen King to write the screenplay. I did see that. I remember seeing that. In the pages and pages of folklore on this movie, I did There's see that somewhere. So much. Uh, final thoughts, Jesse. Yeah, it is. It's just a classic horror film. Uh, a story about a haunted house. Again, no one dies. There's, there's some blood when the guy, the scientist, is imagining ripping off his face, but very, very minimal blood for a horror film. Um, very contrary to like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But, I mean, it's this film, even at 40, there were times where I was like, I wouldn't say scared, but like, I couldn't remember exactly what happened, so it was thrilling. Yeah. Um, Clown scenes being one of that, and the the scene where they're trying to save Carol Ann. So, I mean, this, this movie definitely, you know, held up over time. And I didn't realize before the rewatch that it was a Steven Spielberg produced film and written by in the story. So that was really cool to, to uh, learn at, you know, 22 or 40 years later. Um, but yeah, no, it was just, it was really enjoyable. Great. And once again, building that, <clears throat> just that, I'm gonna mess with the audience, within the within the scary movie moment. That that going back to that clown scene, we get that moment where he, you know, he think we think he's he's good on his clown fear because the jacket misses the clown and he's like he doesn't pick it up. He's like ah, I'm gonna be all right. 
and he goes right. to bed. <laughs> only to leave, then. Why would only, he leave that thing in his room? And for the oh, love of God, know, why would why would, any, why would any parent put know, that thing in a room with their child? <laughs> They're two children. I know. It's crazy. A lot of questionable calls for, for sure. There's the midnight pondering we missed out on. Why is that damn clown around? I'm for sure in agreement with you. Final thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I, I've probably said it a million times on this pod, but the horror genre gets a bad rap because I really believe it's the hardest genre to make a film of. And it is often done poorly. But when it's done good, I, I believe it holds up with any other genre. And this is a great example of it being done well. And it's another example of you don't need gore for a good scary film. That's an element of it, and some people enjoy that. But the suspense and the intent and the the suspense and the tension is so much more important and nobody's better at that than Spielberg. And this is probably such a good one. He was helped along by another pretty good master of horror, uh, Todd Hooper and Toby Hooper, but yes, Toby Hooper. Ah, I messed his name up enough. I gave him a medal. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was fun to finally see this movie. It's always been on the list. And that's one thing I love about this pod is it gives me a chance to see those movies that I missed. I love it. And, uh, you know, this was a fun rewatch. And I loved going down memory lane with the the scares of Poltergeist. And I, I, I never realized how much I love Tangina until we did this podcast. I just... She, she really is fantastic. I... On the rewatch, I was like, she's great, but now she's just forever one of my favorite like character actors because just she's just perfect, and I'm glad you guys agreed with that. But on behalf of Jesse, Jeff, and myself, thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Tales, and we'll be back real soon with some- <laughs>